and welcome to the Victory Devotional Podcast. We invite you to take the next few minutes to connect with God, hear His voice, and respond in worship and prayer. Here's today's message. And so, Lord, our hearts rest in Your presence today. We trust in You all over again. And we thank You for blessing us with Your strength, with your purpose, with your joy, this morning, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We continue our series on abide as we look at how to abide in Christ or abide in the Word or abide in God, looking at the different Psalms. And today specifically, we will go to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Let me begin reading from verse 1. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day, all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This psalm is interesting as it describes for us what it looks like when a man is forgiven. Now, a question for you. Have you ever had a prolonged struggle with a particular sin habit in your life? And how do you get out of it? Now, I know that. I know that also because I, you know, the gospel came to me when I was in high school. And so one of the first things that God helped me out of was the struggle with sexual temptation, you know, as a new believer and as a teenager. And so I understand the whole idea of the struggle and the, and uh, the prolonged struggle with a particular sin habit, and then God helping you out of it, allowing you to find freedom, allowing you to finally be free of it. How does that happen? We go back to Psalm 32 in verse 1. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, That description in verses 1 and 2, I'm going to ask you to believe that. I'm going to ask you to imagine that. Really? It's actually possible for your transgressions to be forgiven, for your sin to be covered, for your iniquity to no longer be counted against you? Now, the psalmist uses three different words for for, for sin. He talks about transgression, he talks about sin, and then he talks about iniquity. The word transgression literally means trespass. There was something, it was a, it's a place that you should not have gone to, but you went to it anyway. Sin is the idea of missing the mark. This is the standard, but this is only as far as you went. 
And then the whole idea of iniquity is like a perversion of the heart. So those three different words for sin is like the iniquity is your perversion. It's your, it's your predilection. It's your predisposition towards sin. And sin is it's something that you should have done, but you were not able to do. Transgression, it's something that you should not have done, but you did it anyway. So the whole idea of transgression, sin, and iniquity is like you did wrong against God, whether in your heart, in the things that you should have done but did not, or in the things that you should not have done but did so anyway. And yet there is hope. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. And I like the last part when it says, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I ask God for forgiveness now for this particular sin, and then I do it again tomorrow, and then the following day, and then next week. And I'm just, I've lost hope. Understand this. If there ever is something that the enemy would like for you to, for, for, would like to, you to lose, it is hope. The idea that, Lord, there's no longer any hope for me. This whole idea is to come to God repeatedly. And then the day will come that in your heart, there no longer is deceit. You just know in your heart, my heart is fully given to you. Keep on coming to God. Keep on confessing your sin to God. Keep on asking God for forgiveness for your transgression until finally there is no deceit in your spirit. Verse 3, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I don't know if you recognize this, but this is the... This is the discipline of God, the hand of God that's heavy on us when we persist in sin. Now, I think all of us know that. All of us know how it is to not listen to God and to not yet surrender that area of our life and just to persist in that sin. And you know the discipline of God, it's heavy on you. Life is not the same as it was. You read the Bible and there's not much there. You try to pray and there's not much, there's not much passion. There, your heart's not into it. And you know, you, you wake up each morning and then for some reason it's not the same. And you just know the Lord's hand is heavy on you. It's a discipline. Now understand this. Discipline is good for us. It is God preventing us from experiencing the usual things that we experience in life so that we, we, you know, we, he, he would get our attention so that we would now respond back to God and say, Lord, your hand is heavy upon me. Remember, God's discipline is not punishment. God's discipline is meant to bring you back to Him. Now, I remember this. So you know that struggle. I remember this when I was just, um, I started out in victory in the university belt. And many times I would go there, but especially in those days, the place was um, not very safe. <laughs> I, in fact, I, had, I, were, I was held up at least twice in the area. In the second time that I was held up, there was a guy who stood beside me while I was waiting for a jeepney. And uh, that guy said, uh, then, you know, introduced himself to me as someone who, he says, I'm from here and, you know, uh, take care here. Because, take, take care because someone might just shoot you in the back. And then he said, a nice watch, okay? Would you like to give me that watch? So he intimidated me and was about to force it out of me. But then I just said, here's my watch now. And then I gave it to him. And then immediately <laughs> I rode a jeepney to be able to get away from him. In that moment, I could have struggled and my life could have been in danger. I just gave the watch away. <laughs> there was no struggle. Now, I'm not necessarily proposing that as a response to situations like that. But when it comes to the sin habits that we hold on to, 
and prevent God from being able to remove it from us. Because, you know, God wants to take those things away because those things destroy our lives. Would you be willing to let go of the struggle and just give it up to God? To abide is to choose to confess to God and end your struggle with that sin. To abide is to choose to confess to God and end your struggle with that sin by letting it go. Verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Did you catch those? Those three words, transgression, iniquity, and sin were all mentioned. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. When you let go, the struggle ceases. Because God's taking something away, you're not holding on to it anymore. So there is no struggle. Now you can let go. Now you come to surrender. Now you can confess your sin to God. And end, finally end that struggle with that sin. Now I'm not saying that as soon as you confess, then there will no longer be any struggle with the sin. No, but in your heart, there no longer is a struggle with God. You're no longer struggle with God, struggling with God in relation to that sin. You've surrendered. You've yielded, you've let go. And that is the beginning of your path to freedom. Second lesson coming from this passage, to abide is to come to God sooner than later. Now I know you hear the phrase sooner or later. This time, let's use it in that way. Sooner than later. To abide is to come to God sooner than later. What do we mean? In verse 6, it says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. So apparently, there is a point in time that the Lord may no longer be found. The latter part of that phrase says, Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. That's a bit confusing to me. But let's read it from the NLT and hopefully it will shed light. It says in Psalm 32, verse 6, in the New Living Translation, Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. To persist in sin, there is a point that you might actually drown in the floodwaters of judgment. There might actually be a point that there will be certain irreversible consequences of that sin. If you persist in it, and at that point, we, we, we don't know anymore what, what the state of your heart may be. Would you still be in a place to be able to call back to God, to be able to surrender yourself back to God again? Verse 7, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Some reasons why you should come to God sooner than later. Because He is your hiding place. He preserves you from trouble. And He will surround you with shouts of deliverance. Meaning, shouts of victory. Verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. you know, I, I had a realization in relation to this particular verse uh, early on in my Christian walk. You see, a horse could be led with bit and bridle. The bridle is the harness. The bit is like the sharp thing. Uh, that's uh, that's under that's in that's on the inside of the cheeks. So, for example, the rider of the horse, when he would pull the reins to the right, the bit would hit the inner cheek on the right, and in order to relieve the pressure, the horse would now turn this way. Therefore, you can turn the horse, but you would need a bit 
and a bridle in order to do that. Question, does God really need to do that to you in order for you to obey? Does God really need to, to cause His hand of discipline to be heavy on you and the circumstances coming against you so that He would get your attention? Or would it be enough that He would whisper to you that you would hear His still, small voice? Would it be enough that when you read the Bible, you would immediately respond? Would it be enough that when you pray to Him and then there's an impression in your heart and, it, and you know you're hearing from God and then you would immediately respond? Wouldn't that be enough? Would you really need the bit and the bridle to be able to force you to obey? Would you really need the circumstances to be a dead end in order for God to get your attention? Or would you rather instead come to God sooner than later? Verse 10, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Reasons why you would like to be able to come to God sooner than later? Because the Lord is your hiding place. He will preserve you from trouble. He will surround you with shouts of deliverance. He will instruct you, don't be like the horse that needs bit and bridle. And then the steadfast love of the Lord will surround you, those of us who trust in the Lord. Today, we'd like to challenge you, you know, as we conclude our time in the Word this morning, we'd like to challenge you, would you be willing to now choose to confess your sins to God, even if you don't feel it, but you know it is something you must do to acknowledge your iniquity, your sin, your transgression before God? Would you be willing to come to Him now and ask Him to forgive you of your sin? And so, finally, to end that struggle with that sin. To conclude, to abide is to choose to come to God now and confess and end your struggle with that sin. If that's something that you'd like to do, I'd like to lead you in prayer now. Lord, would you enable this brother, this sister of mine? Lord, we humble ourselves before you today. We recognize, Lord, our life, if we persist in our sin, Lord, it destroys us. And you love us enough to prevent that destruction. Lord, you're drawing us unto you. And Lord, in this moment, we, Lord, we forgo our, our hard-headedness and we forgo, Lord, our, our, our desire for this sin. Instead, Lord, we desire for more of you. And Lord, in this moment, we stop in our struggle with you and against you. Lord, we let go of this sin and we hold on to you. Lord, would you in this moment draw us to come to you? Lord, you no longer need to put bit and bridle on us. Father, we will listen. The first time you speak, we will respond. Lord, here is our heart, surrendered and yielded to you completely. Father, forgive us of our sin. Set us free from our transgression and iniquity. And surround us with your shouts of deliverance and freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In verse 11 it says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Let's now continue to worship God.
you have surrendered your hearts to the Lord today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord strengthen you. May the Lord set you free. And may the Lord begin you on your path to freedom. For may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless us, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. We hope this helps you build a habit of hearing from God daily. For more messages like these, follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to watch these messages live every morning, visit us on facebook.com slash victoryph.